It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good morning to you, JP, in for Patricia right through until one o'clock today. And unfortunately, Patricia not here today and maybe not tomorrow either. Uh, the uh, COVID, which has been spreading around the last few weeks, has uh, got her entire household. So she's down sick with that at the moment and isolating. And it was me who had it last week. And for some people, it's no more than a head cold. And for others, they get a really bad dose. And unfortunately, I got the bad dose. Uh, two really bad days of where you're struggling to breathe uh, and you just cannot, no matter what you do, you just can't grasp your breath uh, for two entire days and then comes the fatigue and eventually you you do come around and you do get over it but it is something for some people that knocks you out. I suppose it depends on your own personal health situation. Uh, what started off as a sore throat really, really did uh, push on over the entire week and then you're isolating as well so uh, yesterday was my first day out and it's like you were I don't know, left out. You were kind of smiling when you were driving around in the car, uh, even though they're familiar places you're passing because you haven't seen them in seven days. It's a strange feeling and I'm sure so many of you can identify with that because uh, certainly now more than ever, so many people are isolating due to COVID. This new BA2 strain that is doing the rounds has seemingly caught a lot of people. If you weren't, uh, or if you didn't get it the first time around with Omicron this year, you're certainly more than likely going to get it now. Uh, thankfully, nobody though really too sick and it isn't uh, increasing in hospital numbers by the way of deaths anyhow but still at the same time people do have to isolate and then that's having a knock-on effect for many businesses right across Cork and we have heard uh, especially last week of businesses many had to cut their hours some even maybe those who don't deal with the public in general so it wasn't really noticed but many uh, had to close because staff were working from home and isolating as a result so a uh, huge surge last week and indeed this week hopefully things will improve uh, from next week on and ahead on the show this morning uh, something that many people will want to improve is home care and how many uh, days 
days and weeks do we get calls here to this programme from families who were just trying to get care in for their elderly parents or loved ones in their home, even just 30 minutes a day to help them out. Well, it seems now many families are struggling even more to avail of home care for their loved ones. And it seems that home carers, when you're looking for a home care package or for simply someone to come into the home, it goes down to your air code because it's seemingly that if you're in the east of the country, you can get more support than anywhere else in Ireland. We're going to discuss that this morning with Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland. Also, so many families are now foregoing their holiday and losing out in hundreds of euro due to the delay with passport applications. And because of this and delays we have seen uh, for over the weekend in Dublin Airport, we're going to chat with Pat Dawson of the Irish Travel Agents Association as many people missed flights this weekend at Dublin Airport. And what are you going to write in your time capsule for the census, which will be all fitting out on Sunday night next? Uh, we're going to have ideas and maybe uh, if you have an idea that you think you're going to write in your time capsule, because many people may write what is happening at the moment in our world world uh, by way of the pandemic, by way of the war in Ukraine, but they will be marked in our history books anyway. So should we make it more personal and how our daily lives are now uh, compared to what they will be like in 100 years time? We'll be speaking with Terry Carney of the Skibbereen Heritage Centre and Bill Power, historian from Mitchellstown from the St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre with their ideas on what they uh, plan to write in their census and hopefully you'll get ideas on what you can write in your and we're also going to hear about a big event taking place right across the country this weekend. It's the Climb with Charlie event and we'll hear about the event at Noan Hill. Uh, plus nutritional advice with Annalisa. And I'm sure a lot of people, I can see questions already coming in from those who are recovering uh, from the latest bout and the latest strain of COVID who are inquiring about tiredness and fatigue. And what's the best way to get on top of that? Well, we'll have that and much more advice from Annalisa. And your questions are welcome uh, to her right now because your comments are welcome also to Bernie who's standing by taking those on 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and all this week we are giving you the chance to win with the Celtic Ross Hotel located in stunning Ross Carberry they are celebrating 25 years in business and we've got amazing prizes to give away every day including afternoon tea leisure centre membership dinner and overnight stays with the Celtic Ross Hotel celebrating 25 years of hospitality in Ross Carberry. See CelticRossHotel.com and because they're celebrating 25 years in business, we are going to give you a trivia question based on the last 25 years. We'll give you that question later in the programme. If you know the answer then, you have to text in your details along with the answer later to 0862103103. Today's prize is an afternoon tea for two at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry. And today I'm sure is a beautiful day there. No clouds here where we are at the moment. I'm sure it's likewise in Ross Carberry. Looking over the causeway there, what stunning views you would have today for afternoon tea. So uh, that is the prize, afternoon tea for two at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry. That trivia question we'll give you later in the programme and you could win yourself that and some more fantastic prizes across the week with thanks to the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry. Uh, but back to basics and back to house prices and back to people trying to uh, get on the property ladder, which has been something that every generation in this in this country has been uh, struggling with for many, many years now. 
Uh, some would say uh, the last 20 years have been the most difficult and this could be something people would be writing about in their time capsule for the uh, for the census but house prices are increasing by Celtic Tiger levels it seems almost 100 euros a day as market shows no sign of slowing down and the squeeze housing market is what they're describing it. Uh, seemingly, we're going to see these prices increase and it could increase right into next year. And the latest two surveys that are out from, first of all, myhome.ie, uh, their report is showing an average 12.3% annual increase in asking prices and daft report an 8.4% jump. And seemingly, since January, house prices have increased by 2.4%. And many of you listening will be in, I suppose, the bidding war and the worst thing, and I've, I've, I've had friends who are currently in this situation whereby they're bidding on houses. And one example was a friend of mine who was bidding at a house uh, that was at 300,000. Now, the house went up at 270. Uh, the latest asking price due to bidding was 300,000. It's in a, uh, not in Cork City, but not too far from Cork City either. And the prices kept going up. And when he rang with the latest offering to see how their bid was uh, that they put in, the house had gone from 300,000 to 340,000. So 40,000 in the space of four days. I mean, you ring Monday uh, with a bid and then on you know Thursday it's gone up by 40 grand. It's a huge jump uh, for a house. So that's the reality of how things are. And on the stats of that, house prices in Cork City were 4% higher in the first three months of this year than previous years. And that's according to daft.ie. And the rise compares with an increase of 10% in house prices in Cork City uh, seen a year ago. And the average home now in Cork City is at 380 18,000, which is up 94% from the lowest point while in the county. The prices were 12% higher than a year previous and they compare to a rise of 4% seen a year ago and the average price of a home in Cork County now is at 264,000, which is 84% above its lowest point. And the total number of new home transactions in Cork is down 7% year on year. That is interesting to note. And a lot of people just simply uh, are, are holding off for the moment for selling because they want to see how the market is. A lot of people want to move to another house, maybe can't afford it. Uh, so there, there's a lot of reasons why the, the sale on properties is down or why people are not putting their house for sale. But then there is a lot of houses still out there for sale and the bidding war continues on them. So if you're in that situation, let us know. It's very frustrating and you, you know, we have the situation still where people are looking to live elsewhere in other countries. They've tried everything they can possibly do here. Uh, they know they can get work uh, similar to what they have in another country. And that's what's happening again. We have people who are looking elsewhere simply because if they go to certain countries, UK, I'm hearing a lot of, a lot of my mates are moving to the UK, which is, you know, you might say a strange one, but uh, they are. Um, and the reason is because of house prices. They can get a job there. Pay might be lower, but they say the cost of living is lower and they know they can, you know, go and, and purchase a house because of commuting is operates differently there they can get trains to work you know they can live in different cities uh, and that is one that I'm noticing from a lot of my friends who just say they you know they want to have their own home they can achieve it here they can achieve certain aspects of their personal life here so they're going elsewhere um, so yeah if it's, it's something you're considering let us know you can call Bernie 0818 103 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and then on the opposite to all of that while people struggle to afford housing and buy their own home 
It seems more than 20 HSC staff earned in excess of €400,000 in 2020, one staff member taking home between 640000 and €650,000. Now, the figures show that the highest earners in the HSC are consultants. Uh, there is 23 of them paid more than €400,000, and a lot of that is in basic salary, overtime and allowances. However... There are take-on pays that are far higher than this and the HSC have said while salary scales for consultants top out at around €309,000 that overtime and allowances that they do bring the wages to a higher amount then uh, there is questions being asked about the CEO uh, of the HSC Paul Reed much has been made of his salary of 411000 and I suppose we keep hearing about the budgets for the HSC that they're running over budgets that there's, the budget isn't there for, for, for certain aspects of the HSC and then when you see the prices being or the wages being paid out and the high cost that is having then on the HSC you wonder how do you make the arguments for the HSC running over budget for certain procedures you know not going ahead or delays because they don't have the budgets and then you look at the wage packets so it is interesting to see what uh, will become of that if anything will become of it uh, says you and if you were a fan of the TV show Dancing with the Stars well it wrapped up last night and I think a lot of people were happy with the winner and she was tipped from the very uh, f- uh, the very uh, start of the show really to be honest I mean uh, I think any sports or athlete that takes part in a show like this when they go out on the track or on the well, she's obviously going a-, a-, a jockey so when she's going out to, with her horse I mean she doesn't go out to lose uh, an athlete doesn't go out to lose the race she doesn't go out to lose the race uh, and that all plays a part when they compete in Dancing with the Stars so big congratulations for jockey Nina Carbo who indeed won and took home the glitter ball last night for Dancing with the Stars. It was herself and her dance partner Pascal uh, that outperformed rivals Jordan Conway, uh, Conroy even, and also uh, other finalists such as Ellen Keane and Erica Cody. And a lot of people watching last night, I was looking at Twitter, were very emotional towards the end. But I suppose over wasn't it, a 12-week run, people get very attached to a show as they do with many shows, be that a, a reality show like this or a soap. And people can get emotional when something is coming to an end. But Donny in Carrick Navarre emails and says, I was delighted for Nina Carberry who won Dancing with the Stars with her professional dancer last night. Another big win for the lady jockey. And Donny says this comes after Rachel Blackmore riding three big winners at the recent Cheltenham Festival. This was another great victory by Nina Carberry. Our ladies are to be admired. So well done to both Nina and indeed Rachel. And still see all of us, Donny, in Carring Navarre. And I know Michael in Castletown Bear uh, says, speaking about Nina Carberry and what she achieved last night, I quoted the famous trainer Noel Mead who hailed her father, Tommy, as a genius in the saddle. I said, have no doubt, but his daughter Nina is a genius on the dance floor and last night proved my declaration correct by seeing her crowned champion of Dancing with the Stars. What a mind-blowing performance. She was up against some incredibly strong competition. See, she is an incredible lady and top marks to Nina. She surprised both judges and audience. It was a pleasure watching her from week one on the dance floor, how she blossomed from week to week and yet so humble. What an inspiration she is to all ages and so many ladies of all ages, says Michael. It will be interesting to see who will follow in her footsteps from her sporting fields. From night one, I said it was all over that Nina was the winner. She had the step 
that either have or you don't have. And she had that beautiful flow on the floor as she glided effortlessly, says Michael. She is an ideal contestant for dancing on ice and she would be a winner all the way. No fear and elegance in abundance. Could it be her next possible assignment? Congratulations to her, says Michael in Castletambert. Yeah, she certainly would go for dancing on ice and would be a good contestant on that. And speaking of dancing on ice, I know many people watched that as well. Or maybe watch both and watch Dancing on Ice after uh, Dancing with the Stars, of course, Dancing on Ice on shown on Virgin here, uh, ITV production. And it was Regan Gascoigne triumphed last night on that show. And he, yes, is the son of the England uh, legend Gaza. Uh, so he was the winner last night of Dancing on Ice then in the UK. Our lines are open. Were you happy with Nina's win? I think many people were. Eight, uh, you can call Bernie 0818 103103 103 or text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today until 1J with you Bernie taking your comments 0818 103 103 by phone if there's something you want to raise on the show or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 we'll be discussing the census later in the programme but a text here from a person who says I've not received my census form yet I live in Mill Street I am home every day so I did not miss anybody calling well they are still delivering and dropping the census to homes this week so that could be one of the reasons I have seen them in my area uh, continuing to walk around and gain access but there is a helpline that they have given us so if you feel or you're worried that maybe you think they won't be calling to you uh, the help desk there is 0818 202204 that's 0818202204 you can ring that number and they will let you know when someone maybe is due or that they are still in your area but they still are delivering uh, census forms in and around parts of Cork this week our lines are open 0818103103 and we'll be discussing the issue of how and we keep hearing this a lot on the programme so many families now struggling to avail of home care for their loved ones and it seems like so many unfortunately things in this country. It's coming down to your air code and where you live. We'll discuss that next. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 And on the Oscars that took place last night, uh, this morning the Academy Awards, they have come out to say they don't condone violence of any form. And this is after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock on stage. You would have heard the audio on our news with Barry Kin on our breakfast show was playing it this morning about what happened because he made a, bo- a joke about uh, Jada Pinkett Smith uh, prompting the actor to shout this is Will Smith shouting keep my wife's name out of your mouth now when it went on later in the awards for Will Smith to accept his first Oscar he said he was sorry for how he reacted uh, but there's a number of people discussing this this morning on our comment line and text and John is asking should Will Smith now be barred from the Oscars ceremony in the future and why was he not arrested on the spot now I mean at at the time Chris Rock I don't think was aware uh, of the joke he was making that he wasn't aware that uh, Will Smith's wife had alopecia I presume he wasn't aware anyhow uh, why he made the joke and it just got to Will Smith. Will Smith basically said, we come out every day to protect our families. He doesn't mind being mocked himself. If you're in the public limelight, you know, you have to toughen up and you expect to get mocked, but he doesn't want his family uh, to be mocked or, uh, I suppose, spoken about in the way that Chris Rock did. So, well, many will say Will Smith was just, you know, preventing and protecting his family. Uh, do you agree with John? Even though he was, he did wrong. And should he be barred now uh, from the Oscars in future? Your view, uh, 0818. 103 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 
Now, people needing home care in the east of the country are on average getting more support with such services than those in other parts of the country, even though they may not have the very same needs or some may have the very same needs. But because of this, there is now claims that there is an air code lottery when it comes to accessing people who need home care packages. And joining me is Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland, who is now part of the newly formed Home Care Providers Alliance. Catherine, a very good morning to you. You. Hi, John Paul. Thanks very much for having me on. And thanks for joining us. I was reading recently about the staff shortages in this industry and about 5,000 people, it seems, now are waiting for home care. And it's not all down to funding. It's due to uh, the staffing issue where many of these facilities or the HSC, they can provide staff for home care to provide a service. Why is that? Um, well, I suppose there's a, there's a number of reasons, I think, One is certainly to do with, I suppose, the home care sector. It's not a very attractive sector, unfortunately, to work in at the moment. And there are a number of reasons for that. And I think particularly where it's a voluntary organisation or private providers, um, the the levels of pay are are not as bad, I think, as people may think. Um, I know certainly Family Cares Ireland, we're a home care provider ourselves. Our, Our pay rate would be around 14 euros per hour. Um, but there are certainly, um, uh, I suppose, organisations that may not pay that much. But I think more importantly, the terms and conditions for people working in the sector can be very poor. And the reason for that is often because home care packages are subcontracted by the HSE out to providers. And while the providers can pay a, an hourly rate, they are not passed on rates to pay for travel, for example. So somebody working as a, a home care worker in the HSE will get their travel paid in most cases, not all cases, but somebody working for a voluntary organisation, for example, may not. So there are discrepancies, inequalities, I'd say, within that, and that makes it unattractive uh, for people to work in the home care sector. But also, I think a bigger problem is how home care packages are allocated. And you mentioned there the air code or the the postcode lottery, as we call it. Unfortunately, in this country, where you live determines what you will or what you won't get in home care. And that goes back to the fact that there is no statutory entitlement to home care in Ireland. Now, it is something that we have been lobbying and fighting for for many years. It is coming. Um, We've been told we will probably see the legislation towards the end of this year, but it cannot come quickly enough because at the moment it is discretionary. Sometimes it's down to funding and now we see the problem with trying to get people to work in the home care sector. So it is there's many reasons that contribute to, I suppose, the lack of staffing um, and recruitment and retention is really difficult within the sector. Yeah, and we hear from workers within the home care services and, and the big issue for them is if they are with a client and they're there for 30 minutes. So, for example, they're, they're there from 10 o'clock in the morning to 10.30 they then must go to the other house, but that can take 15 minutes, but that's not included in their time frame. So they're either working for an hour or two free every day, or they simply can't get the time in to spend with the next person. I, I think the problem with the half hour home care um, uh, support, I think that problem has probably almost gone, but not not quite again down to where you live in the country. Yeah, so down to the in the past, Exactly. There were half an hour or 40 minutes. And we would say that, you know, somebody has to be in there an hour at the minimum, really, because for safety as well, health and safety, the person going in needs to make sure if they're getting somebody up, um, helping them shower and dress, they cannot do that rush. So it must be a minimum of 
an hour, um, particularly where you're providing personal care. I think that is really important. And then when it comes to the HSE, I mean, is it up to them now to recruit more staff to provide service from the public side of things rather than private companies? Well, I think, no, I think um, we need to look at as well. So home care is, uh, it's tendered in this country um, and that tender process happens every um, number of years. So there is a new tender process coming and I think they need to look at how that is done um, and they need to look at allocating, assessing and commissioning home care in Ireland. So that whole system needs to be overhauled really and need to ensure that there is equality right across the country but I think what's really important is the quality of care has to be at the centre of everything we do because at the end of the day this is about the person in their home you know a person with a disability with long life illness and their family care it is about the quality of care that that person gets and to maintain and support them to remain living at home Um, and so any new system needs to be quality needs to be at the center of that and also we need to look at a basket of supports and services because um, when the new statutory entitlement comes we need to ensure that it's not just the same as we're getting already but more of it needs to be quality it needs to look at does that person for example need a hoist to remain living at home do they need a new wheelchair? Do they And they need to look at the needs of the person being cared for, but also the needs of the family carer. So that carer needs respite, for example, in order to continue providing such high levels of care. So it needs to look at the um, holistic needs of the person requiring care and their family carer where a carer is present. Um, so I think that's really important. And I think another um, problem, I suppose, with recruiting and retaining home care workers is the fact that at the moment our social protection um, system does not encourage or support home care workers to work part-time and still retain some of their social welfare protection. And an example of that is, as it stands, um, if a home care worker is working three full days, so they can work seven and a half hours a day, three days a week, and still get um, job seekers uh, benefit. But if they work just four hours a week, but those four hours are done over four days, they cannot. So in other words, the social protection allows them to work three days or less, but they won't look at their hours. So even if they do four hours a week, they lose their social protection entitlement. So I think they need to look at that. And that is a way where we could keep more people and recruit more people into the home care sector. The other one is at the moment, non-EEA citizens can work as carers in hospitals and nursing homes, but they cannot do home care. So the permit allows them, so basically it discriminates against um, home care workers working in the home, but allows them to do that in nursing homes. So we have brought that to the attention of the Department of Social Protection, two of those issues, and they have promised to to, uh, look into those. I think the problem is we have a crisis in recruiting and retaining home care workers now. We know there's a statutory entitlement for home care coming, but it's not going to be here till the end of the year. So something needs to be done now. Um, and Social Protection need to look at that, and also our Department of Health and the HSE need to look at how they are assessing and commissioning home care in this country. And you touched on it there regarding family carers and those who were at home the entire time outside of their own work, maybe minding that loved one. They're trying to access this service. But are you hearing from those carers that they're struggling because there is no backup, there is no support? And as you mentioned there, the lack of respite. 
Uh, absolutely. And look, COVID has been so difficult for everybody in this country. But I really believe family carers have really, really suffered. They lost all their services in many cases. Schools closed down for parents of children with educational and special needs. Um, services, day services closed down. Parents told us about their children, their young adults regressing in front of their eyes. As we hopefully emerge from this pandemic over the next month, we really need to see supports put in place for those family carers, for those families who have really, really struggled. And respite is perhaps one of the biggest challenges in this country, even before the pandemic ever came to our doors. And now carers are telling us it's non-existent. And again, it's down to this postcode lottery. Where you live determines what you will or what you won't get. So I really think... You know, government has stated in its programme for government that they are committed to supporting family carers and care in the home. They need to put that now into action. And it's not all about funding. Sometimes it is about looking at more innovative or creative ways of supporting care in the home. They need to do that. And they really need to look at carers' mental health as well as their physical health and well-being and how they can support them as we come out of this pandemic to ensure that carers can continue to care safely for loved ones in their own homes. People want to live in their own homes, particularly people when they're uh, ageing, but also people with disabilities. They tell us they want to live in their own homes. They can only do that if the state steps in and supports families to care for loved ones in their own homes. Yeah, and some examples there are coming into us, Catherine, of that. First of all, on the respite, Anula says, I have two children with autism. They haven't had any respite since the start of COVID. It's been very tough on all of us uh, because we're all trying to do everything and they are the ones who are losing out from time away. And indeed, then we are the ones who are stressed and tired so we're not providing care to each other. And while Mary Inkeldollery says uh, she is a home carer and the new HSC policy since Christmas is that any new clients get 30 minutes in the morning and 45 minutes two days per week for our personal care but it is impossible to help an elderly person to shower in only 45 minutes so they are reducing hours for new clients you can never leave a house on time and carers are always running late so as you mentioned earlier there it does go down to where where the person is Mm -hmm. It, it does, which is absolutely shocking. Um, and, you know, it, it's the biggest thing we need to look at. We need to see an equitable, consistent, quality home care support right across the country. And I think that can only be done with an overhaul of the commissioning and tendering of home care in this country. And what really needs to happen is that statutory entitlement to home care. Because at the moment, there's a statutory entitlement to nursing home care no. under the fair deal. It's not a perfect system, but at least there is a, a legal entitlement or right to nursing home care. There is no such entitlement to home care. And as long as that continues, it will continue to be inconsistent and fragmented. And as that lady says, so unfair that somebody in one part of the country will only get 30 minutes and maybe somebody in another part of the country can get three hours depending on where they live. Um, so we need to we uh, that complete overhaul of that system. True. Well, hopefully something will happen this time around. It was in the talks for Programme for Government, so hopefully they do stand over that because it's something, unfortunately, every few years comes up again and we shouldn't be discussing mm. it every time uh, when it was initially mentioned for a Programme for Government. For the moment, Catherine, thanks for joining us this morning. We'll wait and see what happens with this over the next few months. 
Thanks so much, John Hall. Take care. That is Catherine Cox there of Family Carers Ireland, now part of the newly formed Home Care Providers Alliance on that issue that is affecting so many people. Uh, judging on calls and comments in here, people can totally identify with what Catherine is saying. And also then uh, for the carers who are working for either a private company or the HSC and are going out caring for people, uh, they're giving us examples that Mary has there on how it isn't always practical to go on what they are given. And it's part of those terms and conditions that Catherine was explaining there. Uh, your views are welcome. Our lines are open 0818103103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And while so many families are now foregoing their holidays and losing out in hundreds of euros due to the delay in passport applications, we'll chat with Pat Dawson of the Irish Travel Agents Association next. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Families are having to forego holidays and are losing hundreds of euro due to massive delays in processing passport applications amid claims that the system is now simply in chaos. Joining me to explain what exactly is going on is Pat Dawson, who is Chief Executive of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, Pat. We've been here before and the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, has said there simply is too many applications coming in. Uh, but we've had these delays for quite some time now. So, I mean, is the solution to this to just produce more, uh, bring another machine maybe to Cork, which has been mentioned before, or to up the scale of work within the passport offices? Yeah, as you say, it's amazing. I mean, uh, uh, we spoke two or three times in the last two years about this problem it's an ongoing problem and it has not been resolved. Uh, we have had discussions and meetings with the DFA over the last number of months and still we have no answer to, to our questions. I mean, it's, it's obvious as the nose on your face that uh, with the pandemic, there are a certain number of thousands of, of passports to be reissued every year. Uh, they know the figures, what's coming down the line. They also know the average figure of, of new, pass, new passports. So the passport office is fully aware of, of the, the load of passports uh, that have to be reissued. But I see only in the last week or so where they've advertised uh, part-time jobs uh, for clerical officers uh, to work with them. But as we all know out there, um, you know, staff are at a premium and people I don't think will take a part-time job if they have an offer of a full-time job so recruitment is causing a problem as well but at the end of the day uh, the passengers and, and families are suffering and uh, I know of, of, of cases close to, to my family where two families ha- had to change their flights and were charged for 100 euros a family by the airline to change to a date uh, airlines are well within their rights but the, the the punter, I'm afraid, is paying paying the cost of this inefficiency, in my view. Yeah, and the passport office uh, today, figures coming out show that the income has exceeded 13 million euros before the first quarter of 2022 is over. So if there is money being made within the passport office, surely they should reinvest that to publish more uh, passports. And, and and the passports we're talking about, I mean, are we seeing first time applications? Are they causing the biggest delays? Do you know? Well, first-time applications with new members to the family, and also it has to be said as well, and it's important thing to your listeners, is that there, there are a high percentage of, of, of passport applications, renewals or new passports, which do not have the proper documentation uh, there. And if that happens, that clogs up the system. So I would say to everyone, you know, if you're applying, 
filling out forms and there are uh, a lot of paperwork to check it with somebody else with you to make sure that when you do send it off, that is it is correct. Otherwise, that adds adds to the mayhem we have at the moment and uh, we'll never get to the end of it. But uh, as we see, there's going to be six, 700,000 passports to be issued uh, now that are waiting to be issued. And I can't see uh, everyone getting ahead of this until the end of the year. And with those who apply online renewing theirs, some people come back to us and say they've done it, you know, at the weekend and they've got their new passport within three yeah. or four days. So that does seem to be working. That's very good, yeah. yeah. And, and, and credit where credit is due. But again, there is a problem with, with, with board offices that they're only seeing people on appointment. Mm. And I mean, if we're all back working now. We're all working norm, normal hours. Uh, and I, I know from uh, walking up the South Mall over the years that the passport office is always full with 40 or 50 people ready to be served. But if they're only serving, you know, one person every 20, 25 minutes, it means the throughput of the office in Cork or be it Dublin is probably 20, 24 people a day. And they'll never catch up if that still goes on. Yeah, when restrictions are lifted and as you say, everything is back in the majority of workplaces, more or less normal, why can't they do the same? Uh, Passport Express via Unpost, I mean, is that working okay or is that not that's working? That's working okay, but yeah. that's that's expensive as well, uh, uh, you know, and, and I think it's 150, 160 euros approximately. That's a, I think I read that somewhere, but that, 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 seems, to, that seems to be okay. But normal passports, uh, adding a, a, a new member to the family, uh, start-up passports, they seem to where the, pro- the problem is. And I, I don't know how many people from the passport office are, are working from home still, are they working back in their offices or, or whatever. But certainly something has to be done or, or we're going to be talking again in three months' time. And from the passport delays, I'm sure you would have seen the long delays in Dublin Airport, Pat, over the weekend. A lot mm. of this is due to what the DEA say is recruitment of staff and staff waiting to be vetted. And because of the international travel being closed for the last two years, they have to start again with a lot of new staff who they are waiting to vet. And that is causing delays. I mean, a lot of people lost their, their flights uh, at the weekend, maybe lost out on their holiday. That's right, yeah. I, I saw them and I read, I read about it over the weekend and uh, certainly, you know, you need to be there a minimum of two hours. And again, the same problem is arising here where, where recruitment of staff and I've I noticed through social media that the salaries are, are, are very low rates. Uh, I think 11 or 12 euros an hour I read this morning and there is a demand for, for, for staff and I don't think that will attract uh, many people if the, if the wages are, are, are that low. But it, it is a problem. And again, airlines are not obliged, to, you know, to put you on a second flight or a third flight if you miss it as such. And you might have put your hand in your pocket again. I know I know that friendlier airlines will do it. But, but having said all of that, it, it's flagged that we all know that, that there is a huge demand for, for, for holidays because we haven't been anywhere in two years, and, and this is not a big surprise. So hopefully the DAA will get that sorted out in, in the coming weeks, because we're, we're, we're really going to ramp up the number of people going through uh, Dublin Airport. But it's great that, you know, Cork Airport, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's only 10 minutes from my home. You, you, you drive up there or whatever else, park your car or whatever, you're five minutes from the terminal, 
and it's really a, a pleasure and that's the positive thing I'd like to say about using your, your local airport. Yeah, and there is ways and means around that and hopefully they will sort things out but it goes back to something we discussed earlier in the show, staff shortages and that's the impact it's having then unfortunately on people and it even applies to the airports. Uh, for the moment Pat, we'll wait and see what happens uh, regarding the passport applications anyhow if, if they will uh, do anything or set up something new maybe for the south uh, for the moment. Thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you very much. That is Pat Dawson there, Chief Executive of the Irish Travel Agents Association. And have you been affected by that? Have you lost out on a holiday due to the fact that some member of your household or passport did not arrive on time? Or maybe you were caught up in the delays in Dublin at the weekend. Let us know. Bernie taking those calls 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Cork today, JP, until one. Our lines are open. Your views are welcome. 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. 3103. And on the way, ideas what you would like to write or what do you think you can write anyway in the time capsule section of the census this Sunday night. We'll be getting ideas from two local historians and your way to win with the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry celebrating 25 years in business. Then ahead uh, very shortly. Before all of that though, the Academy Awards says it doesn't condone violence of any form. And this is after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock on stage yesterday evening he made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith prompting the actor to shout keep my wife's name out of your mouth now Chris Rock for the first time in a long while looks stunned on stage but it's prompting a lot of people to ask should now Will Smith that is be banned from the Oscars that was I called earlier to the show from John uh, to Bernie on 0818103103. Well, our man who is used to red carpets and used to go along to big gala events, our entertainment man is Crossy, who joins me on this. Good morning to you, Crossy. Good morning. And it's mad that, you know what, the people are saying that because when you're in Hollywood itself and if you're at the parties that are there at the minute, it's a completely different atmosphere. Um, a friend of mine works for a media company in the UK and she's currently working on the red carpet and she was at the Vanity Fair uh, party, which is actually happening right now. And when Will Smith walked into it earlier on, they gave him a standing ovation. Every celebrity, this is the party everyone wants to go to, Bar Elton John's party. And everybody gave him a standing ovation. So it's very strange how, you know, everyone online is going, this is really, like, he assaulted a man. He basically assaulted a man live in front of millions and millions of people. And Chris uh, Rock has commenced that he's not going to press charges. He's going to just leave the matter as it is. And it's just, it's just so strange. The awards were so boring beforehand. I'm not saying this kind of put excitement in it, but it really just changed it. It was a carnage from the start. The sound was off in most places. Some of the sketches weren't that funny. Some of the presenters that were together weren't that good. So when this happened, everyone thought it was part of the stunt because it was just so many weird and random things happened throughout the night. And then when uh, Chris came out and he, do you know what? People are saying, you know, Will was standing out for his wife. His wife had said on multiple times that she is alopecia and she doesn't like people talking about it and she doesn't like people um, slagging her off or making fun. So I think that there was a couple of moments throughout the night where Will Smith and Jada were the butt end of jokes because I can't I can't say what what they were slagging them off about, but if you Google Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith marriage, you'll find out loads of stuff about them. So I think Chris Rock he probably touched a nerve and he just says, Do you know what? I'm sick of this. But then went walked up on stage and slapped Chris Rock. Like it was just unbelievable. You know, yeah. you're just kinda of going, Wow. 
And a lot of people are asking that question, was it set up? But I think at this stage we realise, no, it wasn't a set up. It it genuinely uh, was something that Will Smith, and rightly so, felt angered. The fact that more or less was mocking his wife, who was alopecia. But a lot of people, while we had calls initially saying, should Will Smith be banned? uh, We've had a lot of texts in in the last hour or so with the view you just gave. People saying, no, he was totally right to do what he did uh, because of what was being said about his wife. And many people in that situation would have done similar. Yeah. Now, the mad thing is, in America, people wouldn't have seen this live because the cameras cut straight away and went into an ad break. But in Ireland, the UK and Australia, for some strange reason, the cameras kept rolling. So we got to see the whole thing. And And were were they due to go to an ad break or was it they they knew what was coming? They were like, so they're on a 10, 15 second delay. And yeah, they they just allowed it to go on. Um, it was just, it was so strange. And then, and the side then, when when they announced the winner that Chris Rock was announcing, it was it was a documentary, best documentary. Um, Denzel Washington went straight over to Will Smith and was like, "Calm down," dragged him out of the out of the theater. I don't know what happened after that. And then um, Denzel Washington came back on and then said something to Jada, and it seemed to have sorted it out. I think Bradley Cooper was also involved as well, trying to calm him down. And then 15 minutes later, guess what happens? He wins Best Actor for King Richard. And that, again, was another car crash. Usually at, at these awards ceremonies, right, you get 20 seconds to thank you, you're thanking, maybe 30 seconds max. And then music starts being played, which is saying, you shut up now or we go into an ad break. And it's really, really strict because they're so tight on time. Mm. They gave Will Smith seven and a half minutes, which has never been done before. He spoke for seven and a half minutes. He cried. He laughed, he cried again, and it kind of felt there was more going on with this man than we know about. Um, it's very, very strange, like very strange. Um, yeah, and I do agree with what he said that he's in the public life and the limelight and people can, he expects to be mocked, he expects to be judged by the public. People will like you, people will hate you, which is every, if you go on any type of public life, you'll get that. Some will like you, some will hate you. And that's the joys of being in public life. But he yeah. feels his wife and his family shouldn't be part of that. And he's right, in fairness. He is. And the one thing is people are now talking about it is that uh, Jada has a Facebook TV show called The Red Table and it is the most obnoxious annoying show it's where she I think her mom and her daughter all sit around together and then bring in just say if me and you have a row and we're really famous we go on the show and they discuss our row and then everything is it, it, it's so strange like it, it, you have to go watch it it's called The Red Table with Jada Pinkett Smith um, but everyone has a very funny feeling that this is going to bring in you know Will Smith is going to probably do it sorry there's a bit noisy here today where I am um, so I think they're um, that's what's probably going to happen is that he's going to do this big exclusive kind of like Oprah Winfrey but on Facebook and with his wife Um so yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be a worrying time. You know, you need to wait all your life to get an Oscar, and then you get your Oscar, and you end up screwing it up fifteen minutes before. Yeah, well, um, it's it's certainly a reeling in the years moment, and it's certainly oh, an Oscar that will be remembered uh, for, for, for a long time to come. We cannot mention, apart from the drama of what happened last night, uh, the success for Belfast. 
Oh, incredible. incredible. I'm so happy uh, for Kenneth Branagh. You know, if you haven't seen Belfast, go watch it. It's a beautiful movie. Jamie Dornan's brilliant in it. Katrina Bass brilliant in it. Kieran Hines, we were chatting to him at the BAFTAs, and we were like, when did you find out you got the Oscar? He was flying to Paris, and he said his phone went through security, and it was, going, it was buzzing, and he ended up getting pulled to the side by security, and he just glanced at his phone and saw, you've been nominated for an Oscar. And I was like... <laughs> What did you do? Like, you're at security. And he said, I just nearly cried. He said, I was like, what? This is crazy. But yeah, um, he didn't win. Um, I went to Troy Kutzer for the movie Coda. Coda did really well. It got Best Movie, uh, which is a fantastic movie. It's about a deaf family and their daughter uh, can, can hear. And it's about how she always wants to sing, but she also has to help out the family who are mad into fishing. Uh, it's on Apple TV. And when you're watching the first 15 minutes, you're like, oh, God. This is going to be a really artsy movie, but it's not. It's a beautiful story, and it's so deserved this Oscar. People didn't think it was going to get it. They thought it was going to be Power of the Dog, but yeah, Coda, Coda reached out. Other little highlights of the night, Billie Eilish won an Oscar 20 years of age for her song No Time to Die for James Bond. She performed it with Phineas last night as well, and it was just... You hear a voice, and you're going, 20 years of age, you've been doing this since you were 12, you're unreal, so good. Um, there was, I know there was a lot of chat over Encanto. I think everyone who has kids now listening right now has watched Encanto about a million times. Uh, Disney's Encanto. Uh, there's a song that's called We Don't Talk About Bruno. And they haven't performed it live. Bar last night. And they, get, they got slated for it. The song was number one for about 20 weeks in the Billboard charts. Like it, it's been doing so, so well. And they're waiting for, you know, the whole cast to come along and sing, we don't talk about Bruno. And then they bring in Megan Thee Stallion to do a rap thing that's nothing got to do with the movie, and it's got to do with the Oscars. So they said, we've waited so long for this song to be sung live in front of millions of people, and you change the words and bring on a rap artist. So (laughs) it was was very strange. Uh, Beyonce also performed at the very start of the night. Uh, She has a song in King Richard. Uh, It was a bit lackluster. It was a bit lackluster for Beyonce. Kind of the song didn't really go anywhere. Um, and that was really the highlights of the night. You know, nothing much really happened. They honoured uh, The Godfather. Uh, they honoured um, uh, John Travolta as well. He came on for a bit and he was kind of having a laugh. But I think they're in trouble next year. I really think the, I, I really think the Oscars are in trouble because everyone's going to be waiting for the uh, viewing figures because it wasn't good last year. And they've threw in celebrities, they threw in DJs, they threw in, you know, like TikTokers and all that to see will the audience watch it. Maybe Will Smith and um, Chris Rock will save it. I, I, I don't know. Well, they'll I certainly really save it with online views anyhow. That's for sure. Yeah, Not too sure absolutely. about live views, but online views, they'll, they'll certainly absolutely. save the Oscars for that. Absolutely. Uh, Crossy, yeah. thank you for taking time out to chat to us uh, about no that. No <laughs> the last hear my night. You're going to hear my voice. I haven't been, I haven't been to bed since Saturday. I was going to say. Night, Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a busy night staying up watching that, so we yeah. appreciate that, Crossy. And, and get some sleep now later on today if you can. Absolutely. Talk to you <laughs> Take care. That is our entertainment man Crossy there on what happened last night at the Oscars mixed views on this as we mentioned here's some more comments from uh, you who are getting in touch on text and indeed on phone to Bernie 0818 103 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 
Uh, first of all, this person saying, I don't think Will Smith should be barred from the Oscars, but I am surprised that security staff did not eject him. Disgraceful behaviour should be sent to anger management classes, says that texter. While another person says, I think Will Smith was totally right. It was public. It was uh, not right to joke about any woman's hair. And anyone with half a brain would know that women don't shave off their hair for no reason. Hair is massive to any woman and it's a very sensitive issue. Will probably had a lot of stress over it going there beforehand. He only done what any proper partner would do, support and stand up for her, says that person on text while Marie says, hi JP why in God's name should Will Smith be banned from the Oscars? I think he should be applauded as he was only looking out for his family. Wouldn't any of us do the same? I think he should have got another Oscar says Marie on text on 86 Same by WhatsApp or indeed call Bernie 0818103103 and across the show today and indeed all week we're giving you the chance to win with the Celtic Ross Hotel located in stunning Ross Carberry and they are celebrating 25 years in business. Now we've got amazing prizes to give away the likes of afternoon tea isn't that nice uh, leisure centre membership dinner and overnight stays with the Celtic Ross Hotel celebrating 25 years of hospitality in Ross Carberry see CelticRossHotel.com and because they're celebrating 25 years we have a trivia question based on the last 25 years I will give you that uh, question between now and one and if you know the answer you simply text the answer with your details to us and today the prize is an afternoon tea for two people wouldn't the be nice today looking out over the causeway in Ross with that sunshine and no clouds Uh, anyhow we'll be doing that later in this show so stay tuned for that on the way what do you think you would like to write in your time capsule this Sunday night as part of the census a lot of people unsure what to put down we'll discuss that next C103 Jobs with Munster Technological University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full time part time and professional courses Succeeding together with mtu.ie. A receptionist is wanted for part-time position at a GP medical centre in Mallow. Experience is essential. Email your CV to dunna.rafferty1 at gmail.com. The West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen require a front office supervisor and a night manager. Email your CV to accounts at westcorkhotel.ie. And a cook housekeeper is required for Kinsale. Apply with CV and cover letter to Kinsale at carmelites.ie. You'll find these job opportunities online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed cork today on c103 call patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 With no less than a week to go to census night on April 2nd, we are hoping this morning anyhow to offer some advice on what people might include in the time capsule section of the ends of the census form. I'm joined from uh, the Skibbereen Heritage Centre with Terry Carney and also joined on the line by Bill Power, uh, a North Cork historian and he of course set up and is involved with St George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown. You're both very welcome to the programme. Good morning to you both. 
Good, Good morning, morning, John Paul. Now, this is a very novel idea and a lot of other countries are looking to Ireland going, why didn't we think of this in our last instance? And it's fair to say, I suppose, Terry, I'll start with you first. A lot of people may want to write about the awful war in Ukraine at the moment or indeed what's happening with the pandemic, but they'll be already in our history books and in paper cuttings. So is it to look more at our personal situation? Absolutely, John Paul. Um, you know, it's just from examining records of the past, you know, you, you're aware of what's going on and it's nice to see people's reactions to them. But what you really want to know is about, you want to get inside the head of the person, the personality of the person, you know, what their hopes and dreams are. And I think our lives will be so well documented in 100 years' time. You know, we've left such a digital footprint. I think what's important is really for them to know something about us personally and our own small lives, our personal history, so to speak. Yeah, and Bill, I'm sure you would agree with Terry there on that because if you came across one now from 100 years ago, you would rather know on that type of scale what was happening rather than what we know about the World War and the War of Independence and all of that. Yeah, yeah. good morning, Terry, and good morning, John Paul. Absolutely, I think it's the ordinary things. It's the things that don't get recorded by, by history. Um, what, what actually matters, actually, looking at stuff that I've seen back over the years, somebody writes a note about they heard the swallow for the first time today, or they saw a swallow for the first time today. That strikes you because you then start thinking about, well, when were swallows coming to Ireland 100 years ago compared to now? You know, it's it's that ordinary thing. I think the bigger stuff is going to be recorded and it's, been, it's going to be well documented. You know, the, the, the vital statistics of when we're born and when we die, that's all going to be there in the future. But it's the ordinary things we do. You know, even things like the type of dog you have, the, how important it is in the family, or maybe somebody belonging to you died during COVID who would have been on the last six, seven, eight census returns and won't be on this one. This is your chance to write a little bit about your memories of those of those people. So it's the smaller stuff, really, that that's more interesting. I think that's my view, anyway. Yeah, and I mean, Terry, on what Bill was saying there about the swallow. I mean, you have studied previous census over the years. I mean, did you come across information like that and kind of quirky information that was recorded over the years outside of the census in, in other forms as well? And old, old letters that you would have come across. Oh, John Paul, we have fallen around the place laughing at various entries and I, I really hope that I can think of something witty <laughs> enough that will have somebody laughing in a hundred years' time. Even the census records, because all you had really that was free text was your occupation. But some of the ones we came across were absolutely hilarious. One man gave his occupation as walking around. You knew that man straight away, didn't you? And <laughs> exactly. Another one filled out by the father about a daughter, you know, does what she wants. <laughs> Which can be said but for a lot of fathers and daughters. <laughs> yeah, but I think my favourite one, but again, just to give you an insight into how you react to these things, one of my favourite ones, we, oh God, we absolutely fell around laughing at this. So it was a big long census record with the parents and all the children. And down at the very bottom was the mother-in-law. And she had filled in her own entry. The rest of them were in a different writing. And then occupation, minding myself. <laughs> <laughs> you can only the hear the person saying that. <laughs> the wit of it. And even on a more serious note, um, you know, Father Troy, a local priest here, made some really, really, really moving remarks during the Great Famine that brought you there more than any record of death. You know, 
just a simple... So those personal messages, I think, really will resonate with us, with our ancestors in time to come. Yeah, and we'll get we'll go through a few suggestions very shortly. But Bill, you're a well-known local historian right across Cork, and you really have gone in depth in various uh, issues and various even publications in the last number of years. Why are the census so important, especially for historians? Well, I suppose the first thing to bear in mind about previous census that are currently available, we really only have two. It's 1901 and 1911. The next census after that, I think, is 1926, and that's not out there yet. It's still covered by the Official Secrets Act. But in many cases, the census return is more or less the only record we have of an individual. We might not have their birth record um, because we don't know where they were born, and we might be lucky to have their death search. That might be findable. But what we don't know are things about how they lived, um, the kind of living conditions they lived in. You know, what did they do for entertainment? Did they dance at the local crossroads? We don't know. All we have is the bare bones of their age, their name, and perhaps who they're related to. Um, and this is where I think what the the the, um, the census has changed this time. People for the first time ever have an opportunity and are encouraged, actually, to add the bit extra, to add the, you know, the, the, the personal element to it. And um, I suppose I know in terms of how I'm thinking myself on the census, I was thinking, well, don't write anything nasty about your neighbour. It's not because they're not going to be able to read that they'll be dead by the census it becomes available. But if you start writing nasty things about your neighbours, in 100 years' time, people are going to look at that and they're going to say, Jesus, Bill Paul was an awful nasty individual altogether. Yeah. You know? So you come, the wrong you. Yeah. You, you, you come out the wrong end of it. Leave the politicians alone. They're getting enough abuse. Um, forget about all that kind of thing. Think about the small local stuff. And, you know, I, I was recently handed an absolutely amazing document that somebody wrote in 1871 called A Collection of Mitchell's Town History. It was a collection of his own writing, of photographs from that period, and also um, newspaper cuttings. And I just felt I'd landed on a gold mine because the stuff in that that has answered questions for me that I've had for a long, long time. And that's what's important. They were very ordinary questions that I had, but he's, he's answered them um, quite accidentally, perhaps. But when you write things down, you're not writing it for now. You're writing it for 100 years. Just remember that. So things that, you know, pe- people won't know the names that we all know now. For example, when I look at newspaper, when I'm doing newspaper research, you see these big local rows going on in various places. People don't even remember the names of the people involved in those rows. So you, you have to put it in context. This is a chance to write about you, your family, the people who matter to you and to put yeah. that out there for the future. Yeah, because politicians that are here now, as you mentioned, politicians, they won't be around, yeah. obviously, in a hundred years' time, but they will be totally forgotten about and we'll have a whole new batch of uh, politicians and even parties maybe in 100 years, whatever way the world will look. I mean, Terry, you would agree there with Bill on that moment of, you know, make it more personal and maybe not just looking up the bigger picture of, of politics or anything like that? Oh, completely. And some excellent suggestions there as well. I, as I said, I think this is, and it's given me a great opportunity to think about what I'll write myself, I think it's a great opportunity to give a message to the future about who you are and who the people you care about are. You know, what's in your, what's in your head? Um, and also... I, we found, you know, when people see the census records, 
like we had them physically printed initially, people tended to touch them, you know? They tended to touch the signature. They tend to try and get a tangible link. And I think anybody who has the talent that can draw or or write, you know, that's a, that's a very direct message. But even, you know, for those not filling out the census themselves, even just to, for the other people in the house to write their signature or to put a thumbprint or something that somebody can touch and say, oh, that is the signature or the thumbprint or the drawing, you know, just something tangible for the future. Yeah, and would you include like hobbies or maybe something you're proud of? Maybe you were playing for the local J team and they won a certain match, maybe a county final, something like that. I mean, people looking back on that will then realise, oh, my, my my uncle or whoever played in that team over hope. 100 years ago. Would something like that, achievements be, be something you could write down oh, on this? Oh, hopes, fears, hobbies, achievements, your average day. For me, what I'm going to put down is initially is what brings me joy you know what's in my head that I absolutely that lifts my heart every day and for me that's nature um, and I hope that future generations get to enjoy it as much as we do but I think it's it's even the pets in the house they're not mentioned on the census that's a big bugbear of mine I mean what a big deal it would be to put down my beloved cat on the census she's going on this census record um, a bit about where you live anything you're proud of you know, and then if you wanted to, your personal reaction to these bigger events, COVID and so on. And I, I, I really like just so they can give them a good laugh. Give them some of your predictions for 100 years time and they'll fall around the place laughing at those, I can guarantee you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if you go back to the 80s, they had us driving around in the air in cars in some of the <laughs> films you see now. You know, that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. They are working on it, but it hasn't happened yet. So they might <laughs> laugh at certain things we think will happen in 100 years. And Bill, and even for, for you, Terry, as well, I mean, a lot of people whom we speak to are grandparents and my owner after passing on now, but either you speak to people of a certain generation when... When you when you speak of how their lives were when they were younger, and I mean, a lot of people of an older generation look at maybe my generation and younger, uh, and for anybody in their 20s, 30s and 40s who, you know, get up in the morning, you're trying to organise childcare, you're rushing to work, many people now commute to cities, whereas a number of years ago, yes, people immigrated, yes, people did still commute, but there was less of that. And because we had so many local shops in our towns, people would have got up later in the morning, they would have worked in their local town. Uh, something like that could be included and how our daily routine is, which would be totally different in 100 years' time. Well, John Paul, one thing that I've been very conscious of in, in recent weeks, I've been travelling through a lot of villages and what I call hamlets along the Blackwater Valley and the Bride Valley. The number of villages that don't have shops anymore, I'm talking about grocery shops, I'm thinking, though, for example, Kilvolan doesn't have a pub anymore. Somebody will write in and say, pub opened yesterday, but I didn't know that yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry, you'll be picked up, yeah. But, you know, you, but look at how these places, the post office, the you know, post offices, pubs, grocery shops, and they're disappearing because, of course, we're getting into our cars and we're driving to Mallow or Mitchellstown or from Oye or wherever it is and doing our shopping in the bigger towns. Um, the ordinary simple things that were taken for granted 30, 40 years ago in these places is gone. So the ordinariness of life, um, you know, if you think of it like this, 100 years ago, most people didn't own cars. 100 years from now, I personally doubt that cars will exist. 
And if they do, there'll be a very different type of machine to what we use now. You know, will will we have a better transport system compared to what we have now? What are the things that, uh, like Terry is saying, you know, what are the simple things in our in our ordinary lives that matter? For example, in, in Mitchellstown, one thing that's often struck me is that there was a huge amount of people employed in um, uh, dairy gold, in cheese manufacturing, butter manufacturing. And that, that's all gone now, or at least a lot of it is gone. So, but nobody has recorded what it was like to work in the cheese factory or what it was like to work in the, the garage. These are the very ordinary things that matter. And maybe it's a chance for people to just say, I worked as and this is what I did every day. Yeah, and just give an insight on how life was for daily life yeah. that we we live now and we take it for normal but you know 100 years time it won't be uh, normal they'll see that as a very very different time and Terry I mean Bill touched there on the fact that you know cars will be a lot different maybe in 100 years time uh, mobile phones weren't around 100 years ago televisions are the way they operate now is changing I mean that'll be something to look back on on how our technology was now Oh completely and it's, it's um, even when Bill was saying, thinking, oh my God, the changes in my own lifetime. I was trying to describe Donnie yeah. McCart going to the, to the creamery to my niece the other day and she looked at me like I had two heads on me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very short lifetime. But yes, completely. It, it, you know, if we can say, oh, my phone is my most important thing, I, they laugh at that. They will do. You know, it, yeah. it's... And Bill made a very important point there. Really, really important. What we identify with and empathise with is our small daily lives. And the average day of someone is never recorded. You know what people say to me, oh, are there any photographs or stories about the River Island? And I was like, yeah, but do you write a story or take a photograph of the N71 now? Hmm. You know, that's what island was in those days. So the everyday, the ordinary, people... Don't take any notice of, but in the future, that can be an extraordinary thing. So I totally agree with Bill there, is to record, and I think at the time they will be just astounded by the amount of hours we work and how little leisure and how much commuting time, as you said, John Paul, mm. how much of our lives we waste at all of this. Hopefully they'll have come up with a much better solution in a hundred years' time. Oh God, hopefully they will. I think there's solutions now with the whole, while it's happened with the pandemic and working from home, we slowly can see people who are moving, you know, from the cities back to where they're from. You know, I, I can still have my own mates who are leaving the cities and returning back to West Cork. So, you know, hopefully it will be a lot better in 100 years. And you mentioned there about taking photos. I mean, when we see photos, I mean, Bill, you mentioned there the industry in Mallow and North Cork. Yeah. Terry, we will see photos in West Cork of the trains that use travel via and through various parts of West Cork and people are stunned when they see, for example, at Gagan just between Bandon and Clonakilty, the Clonakilty Junction and those photos of the train stopping there and how different that looks now. It's something as, as innocent and as easy as that to take a photo of, but it will look so different and so enhanced to those 100 years time. And it's fundamental. You know, mm. these things, for, for us now, cars are fundamental. To them, at the time, trains were fundamental. You know, it's, these are, it will all change. Even, you know, our cars, obviously, will, will as you say, hopefully be defunct. Hopefully. But, hopefully, but whatever you know, we have. When you mentioned photographs, though, mm. one thing just to mention, I run a little page on Facebook called Mitchellstown, and it's just old photographs. I put them up when I get a chance and when I think of it and all that kind of thing. But it's the comments that the photographs solicit. You know, I know, for example, if I put up um, a while back, I had a photograph of a nun that had recently died. 
and the absolutely gorgeous comments about that nun. But nuns are a thing of the past in most towns. And, uh, I mean, when I was younger, I couldn't have imagined that Mitchellstown wouldn't have Christian brothers and it wouldn't have nuns, um, that the, the number of clergy would be drastically diminished. But then you ask yourself, OK, the professions that are there now that we take for granted, are they likely to be there in 20 or 30 years' time? So we'll say, back along every town and village had a postmaster or a postmistress. That's not the case anymore. Um, every town and village had a policeman. That's not the case anymore. Even the smallest of places, if I think of you know places like Glenworth and Kilworth, they used to have constabulary. They don't have them anymore. And we know absolutely nothing about their lives. We see the official record, the newspaper report when somebody is, is arrested. But we don't actually know what they did in their normal day on duty in the police station. So these are the things that are valuable. It's just, I suppose if you ask yourself, who am I and where do I come from? And if you can define that and write that in the census, but don't all the big fancy old stuff. You know, you don't need the, you don't need, as, as we said, we don't need to hear about the politicians and all that. History will judge them. Leave that to history. But history will judge you a bit better if you can record that ordinary stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe, the, maybe there's a favourite place in a local woodland that you love to go for a walk. Why? Write about that. You know, um, th- these are the things that matter. And, and I think it's, it's really about kind of putting human flesh on you. Um, I, I don't trust the digital record. I'm not like Terry. I'm a bit more of a Luddite in that respect. I think digitised stuff will disappear. Digital photographs. Think of all the photographs you have on your phones. Will those actually ever get printed? Because the only way you can be guaranteed they might survive is to have them printed. So we've never been more photographed than we are now. Yet I think the volume of what's going to be there in 100 years of photographs from now, I doubt, I doubt that there'll be all that much of it left unless it's printed. Yeah, true. Yeah, and we need to print those, especially the ones that that will mean a lot to people and to families. Uh, For the moment, I suppose, to both of you, there's no right or wrong answer, but no one should leave this blank. No, no. And and by the way, just remember, they stipulate do not stick photographs or anything like that onto it. Mm -hmm. So don't. So don't put the photos on, even they might be willing to do so. Don't, don't, don't do that. Well, the very best of luck. I mean, it's it's something that people will have to think about, and yourselves have obviously thought about it, and you've given an outline there of what you yourselves more likely will will point in your direction to write in your time capsule. I think we'll all have our own personal views, but keep it personal is is the big thing, anyhow, as you say, and bring in the likes of nature and your daily life into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as Absolutely. Bill said there as well, Bill, sorry, Bill, it's really okay. important. I thought what you said, like what we, we should be sending into the future is a message of love, you mm. know? Yeah, true. And, yeah. yeah, not not a petty, I'm unhappy, blah, blah, blah. But just, I wish everything the best for you in the future. And hopefully you've learned from our mistakes. And I think that's, that's a nice message to it send is. to the future. It totally, it is. Yeah, that we'll, and we'll end on that note, on a, on a positive note to leave yes. into the future. My thanks to you both. It's been a real insight on what people should write this coming Sunday in their time capsule section of the census. And thanks for joining us both this morning on the show.
Thanks, Thanks John, Paul. Thank, Thank you very much. Terry Carney there, who's a local historian with the Skibbereen Heritage Centre, and Bill Power, a North Cork historian with St George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown. And hopefully uh, that has given you an insight on what you can write in your time capsule this weekend and this Sunday uh, in your census. This is C103 Cork Today. Your lines are open on 0818103103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And on the way, we're going to hear about the climb with Charlie events taking place this weekend. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. The entire country has been touched by the bravery and honesty of former journalist Charlie Burge as he battles with motor neuron disease. And next weekend, Charlie Burge will undertake his climb of Crowpatrick. And many others will join him with local climbs being organised right across the country. The chat about one of the local climbs being organised here in Cork at Noan Hill near Dunmanway. I'm joined by Jonathan Healy, who is Vice Chair of the Motor Neurone Disease Ireland. Good morning to you, Jonathan. Good morning, JP. And thanks for joining us. I mean, first of all, what do you think it is about Charlie's story that has really touched the nation? I mean, a lot of people would have grown up with Charlie. They would have seen the outstanding work he did as a journalist as well. I'm in the privileged position of having known Charlie over the years. Um, been my work as a reporter previously. Mm. And he's such a dedicated individual, has such a distinctive voice. And as you say, spent so much time in all of our company over the years by listening to him on the radio, watching him on the television. And I think the way in which he has dealt with his diagnosis of motor neuron disease has touched people. Um, and there are 400 people right now, right across the island of Ireland, who are living with MND. And for each and every one of them, it is an individual journey that they are on. And they don't necessarily have the ability to talk about it in the way that Charlie does, to spread the message or indeed to raise funds like Charlie has. But it's that incredible bravery that Charlie has shown that I think is after connecting with people and is bringing them out in their droves right around Cork and right around Ireland this coming Saturday. And I think when his speech, and he he was very public about this on the Little Late Show regarding when he got tired about his speech, but this new app that he has worked with to develop the voice banking technology and the incredible work that has been done with this for him to speak as well, I mean, that gives hope to so many people. What's incredible is how quickly technology is improving. Uh, dealing with the illness is different. Uh, that is uh, a, a long and uh, difficult fight. But technology is being used in different ways to help people. And one of the things that we do in the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association is to make sure that people have access to the right technology at the part of the journey that they are on. And for many people living with MND, their voice is one of the things that can be impacted and can be impacted quite quickly. So it's really important that they're able to say that very important part of themselves and it's the technology that can be easily deployed we're working with the people who've developed that technology to ensure that people can access it Uh, it, it's amazing when you think about it jp that 20 years ago people living with mnd had no way of communicating once their voice went it might have been pointing it might have been some other way i remember jimmy McGee, who was our patron uh, for many years his son passed away from mnd and he told the story of of being next to his son and he was agitated over something. And the only way he could answer was, was tap once for yes, and no, blink once for yes, and blink twice for no. And after going through everything for about 20 minutes, Jimmy worked out he wanted to scratch his head. 
that's what was wrong with Paul at that moment in time. And it took 20 minutes to get that out. So with technology like the voice bank, with technology like eye gaze, which is using people's eyes to be able to type out a message that can be then spoken by a computer, these are really important things to help people as their motor neuron disease progresses. And that's why we need to raise funds, because all of that isn't cheap, as you might imagine. Mm. And part of our role in the IMNDA is to fund that. And you mentioned there regarding Jimmy's son. I mean, does motor neuron, does it affect every patient differently? It's a very unique and individual journey to everybody. There are different types of motor neuron disease. Um, It's often referred to as the thousand day illness. And the reason it's called that is because it's on average about a thousand days from when you get diagnosed until you pass away. And and it, it is a diagnosis that is rightly feared by people. It's terrifying when you get told those words because you know what's coming. But the speed at which it impacts people can vary from one to the other. Some people it may start in the centre of their body, others it may start in the peripheries. But ultimately the outcome for most people unfortunately is the same. And will we mention and speak about Charlie Bird? And I mean, he's very brave in, in coming forward and showing the, the aspects of the disease. I mean, you, you described it there, how it does affect everybody differently. But he kind of reminds me of Father Tony Coote, who we'd on the show back in 2018 when he was diagnosed with motor neuron disease and he walked the length of Ireland. And this is what is happening here with people walking and climbing mountains and hills right across the country to show support for Charlie this weekend. Tell us what are the plans for Noan Hill near the Manway, uh, Jonathan? Yeah, I, I very remember uh, Father Tony Coote, who finished up in West Cork, of course. I, of course. I met him yeah. on a number of occasions as well. Well, the, the Dunmanway climb is, is one of many that's taking place right around County Cork um, this weekend. I, I'm not sure that whether I've limbered up enough for this now, JP. I mean, <laughs> I've been trying to walk and, and, and I've been breaking in the new shoes, but uh, climbing hills is something that I don't normally spend my weekend doing. It's normally GA matches and chasing kids around the place. But I've got to give it a go. So it's happening this Saturday, the 26th, from 11 uh, to 1, and it's being organised by the Dunmanway Hill Walking Club, and loads of people have signed up for this already. Uh, the known hill route is about 7.1 kilometres, with a 410 metre ascent. I'm getting weak even saying that. Uh, but it's kind of comparable to what Charlie is trying to do up in Grove Patrick. That's 3.2 kilometres in distance, but it's a 750 metre ascent. So we're we're going on the easier one, I think, in known hill, and there's four different routes to to get up to the top of the hill, and there's lots being done. Now, the only thing is don't turn up there, uh, because uh, obviously the roads around there are limited enough. So what's being done is there's buses being organised, sponsored by Maybury Coaches, and they're going to be leaving Dunmanway Town, and there's going to be a little bit of music along the way, uh, the super value there um, in Dunmanway is also going to be organising some food as well. And Dunmanway Hill Walking Club are appealing for volunteers for a few hours to help them as well. So the Facebook page is facebook.com slash tag, uh, slash tag, hashtag even, at Dunmanway Hill Walking Club. If you just look up at Dunmanway Hill Walking Club, all the details are there, but you do need to register in advance. And th- uh, as for the other walks, I mean, just looking at climbwithcharlie.ie, which is the website there, there's one that's down in Long Strand. There is another one that's going to be starting at the Spain Tower in Baltimore, up in North Cork, Mount Hillary. They're going to have a, a climb there. McCroom, the Mushroom Mountain is another one in Ascara Community Centre. There's absolutely loads of them across Cork. Another one up in Fermoy, climbwithcharlie.ie. Have a look there. But the most important thing we are going to do this weekend is we're going to raise awareness of both 
motor neuron disease, which is the illness that 44 people in Cork are living with today. Um, we're also going to learn a lot more about the work of Pieta House that is uh, ongoing to support people with mental health challenges. Uh, all of that money that's being raised this coming Saturday is being split 50-50 between the two charities. And as a result, then, we're all going to be able to do more to support people who find themselves in situations where they need help from the likes of the IMLDA or indeed Pieta House. And it's all down to the singular generosity of Charlie Bird, who could easily have gotten this diagnosis, sat at home, lived out his life, and uh, we would have read about it in the newspaper. Charlie Bird didn't do that because that's not who Charlie Bird is. True, and we saw that over his career and he hasn't changed uh, with this either. So the very best of luck to Charlie uh, this weekend and also to everybody taking part in any of the climbs. You must register in advance and uh, you could be following Jonathan up Noan Hill. On, uh, you'll probably lead it, Jonathan, will you, on, on, on at the weekend? Well, I don't know about leading it now. I, I mean, if, if you see me and I need help, please, please offer a hand. That's all I'll say. Okay, I'm sure you'll do fine. Uh, Jonathan, the very best of luck and thanks for joining us on the show this morning. Thanks, Jeremy. Take care. That is Jonathan Healy there, uh, who was vice chair of the Motor Neuron Disease Ireland, the Motor Neuron Association. And if you do want to get in touch, we have details here. Indeed, uh, best of luck to everybody who is taking part this weekend. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. It's Cork today until one and more of Cork's The Greatest Hits with Nick Richards along from one. Martina driving you home from four this afternoon. We're with you until one with your comments. Uh, Bernie taking those now. 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Annalisa Drizel will be answering all your nutritional advice after 12.30. If you have a question for Annalisa, get that into us. And we're quite busy uh, for Annalisa question-wise today, so get them in as soon as possible so we will be able to uh, give them to Annalisa just after 12.30. Uh, we'll be discussing any nutritional questions and problems people are having. A lot of people I can see texting in regarding fatigue uh, fr- following COVID, so we will discuss that as well with Annalisa and much more after 12.30 this afternoon. But a lot of comments in on various issues we've been discussing this morning. And first of all, on the census that we spoke about, and this is from a column in Buttevant, and we did discuss the time capsule and what people could write and ideas of what you could write on your census form in relation to the time capsule. We spoke with Terry Kearney of the Skibbereen Heritage Centre and Bill Power, a historian as well from North Cork, from Mitchellstown, from St George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown, which has recently been done up a project of Bill's looking well, and both them gave their ideas of what uh, we should or what we could write anyhow in that uh, capsule space on the form but Colm feels the space is way too small Colm would have loads of stuff he would like to put in uh, but he says there is no space to do so uh, that's Colm in Buttevant while Joan in Formoy on the census says in the early 60s she used to work in a local shop and at 1pm every day the factory workers would come to the shops for cigarettes and sweets The same would happen at 6pm. It was lovely to look forward to the crowds coming into the shops. And Joan says, as we look back in years gone by and we were discussing what people should write in their census about how things were now compared to 100 years ago, Bill and indeed Terry made the point that we should not be slagging off neighbours or politicians as, you know, history will judge them. 
we should leave some message of hope and love uh, for the future rather than you know picking on somebody or saying something nasty we should be hopeful in these and talk about our daily lives our commute to work nature what's happening around us and on that Joan is picking up on this and she says when she worked in those shops all those years ago uh, she says that, that everybody coming in and those workers they always seem to be happy everybody was happy and joyous and you know uh, chatty but in good form she goes no we are never happy and that's a point I think a lot of people Joan working in retail would come across not that everybody is unhappy coming into a shop but I think you, you hit the nail on the head there when you say not everybody is happy uh, and there's a different aspect in retail working now uh, than there was in the early 60s when you worked in a local shop in Fermoy Joan thank you for your call I'm sure many others would agree with that if, if you work in a shop or deal with the public uh, there's a big change in mindset in the last uh, well in particular two years for some reason and that could be due to what has happened with the pandemic and lockdowns but even before that slowly but surely uh, people aren't as happy as Joan says than they would have been years ago no you always would have had unhappy people not that they were never there Uh, but are we becoming a more unhappy nation unhappy world in the last 20, 30 years overall. Uh, just an observation from Joan as we discussed this instance. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, to Bernie, 0818 103 103. And we did mention earlier on at the start of the show the high numbers uh, that uh, are experiencing at the moment regarding COVID and the hospitals. They're again under pressure uh, and the knock-on effects that is having many of workplaces because thankfully not as many people are ending up very sick in hospital yes some people are but the majority aren't and it is having an effect on workplaces though many workplaces have closed some have cut back on hours due to the amount of staff out that have to isolate for having COVID well John is in Cove and John says the first cruise ship is due into Cove on the 14th of April and he says 90 people are expected this year or 90 of them are expected this year into Cove and a lot of these ships are being welcomed into Cove by the Chamber of Commerce and the Port of Cork and all of those and they will have about 3,500 passengers and the bigger ships roughly John says between six to 7,000 passengers now John's issue is most of the passengers when they uh, when the ship docks in Cove the passengers don't stay in Cove so they don't spend the money in Cove it is really only the crew who will spend the money in Cove a lot of the passengers then get on a bus and they are bussed out of Cove to other parts of the county you could have up to 40 busloads of passengers travelling around the county but not staying within Cove. Now, John also is making the points of COVID and that COVID cases are high at the moment and as these ships are being welcomed, the crew and passengers, could they also be bringing COVID with them into Cove? Is that a concern for many living in Cove? John is asking who was in Cove on 0818103103 and staying on that, Anne says, good morning, so many older vulnerable people are now getting COVID again which Anne says is so wrong the government is supposed to be protecting them what are the government doing to bring COVID under control Uh, and also Anne is making a point that people that are coming in and obviously we've a number of people arriving from Ukraine uh, and Anne is concerned about the vaccination levels in Ukraine and she says there is no guarantee if people arrive into this country and are not vaccinated that they will then take the vaccine here in Ireland. This will cause big problems for a surge next winter. That's Anne's feeling on text to 0862103103. And earlier we mentioned house prices and how the average house price 
price has risen by 3.16% nationally in the first three months of this year and a number of reports are out this morning from daft.ie, myhome.ie and the Irish Independent along with Ray have a survey published as well and they all more or less reveal that the prices are increasing by around €100 Euro per day and shows no signs of slowing down. And because of that, while people are able to get work in this country, and I just made an example, a lot of my own mates can't simply buy a house. They're paying... Because some are paying nearly two grand a month on rent, uh, and if they're in a, a house share situation or if they're in a couple situation, you know that can be a thousand euros each, or more than likely they're paying seven hundred euros each uh, a month, and that's just rent. That's not even a mortgage. And because they find themselves in that situation, they all have good jobs. They just simply still cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel to afford a house in this country. And while the years go on, people feel and I've seen this myself and my own friends. They're just leaving. Ireland again which is something we thought you know would not happen and they're not leaving for work they're leaving so they can find their own house they can rent at an affordable rent and the places where they are going you people always assume it's going to be Australia Canada America no it's the UK simply the UK wages may be lower but the cost of living is lower they say and they know they can afford to buy and purchase a house there. And a lot of the reason for that then is you can be working in and around a major city in the UK, but you can be living in a smaller town outside the UK, which has a lower cost then uh, for housing. But because commuting is better, they have railways and etc. and motorways. You know, people travel an hour, two hours to the UK or in the UK for, for work or an hour and a half, anyhow, maybe a day back and forth. But because there's motorways, people sustain it. They don't mind it. Whereas we don't have that many motorways in Ireland to do and carry out those journeys and it was just something that came into my head when we were discussing the house prices earlier on how many people I know that are looking and that's already not even looking people have moved to the UK because they cannot afford a house here in this country not because of work not because of the quality of life simply people get to an age where you can't sustain paying huge prices of rent anymore when you know a mortgage will be cheaper you also can't sustain living your life in a house situation you know when people get to their 30s or mid 30s they don't want to be house sharing with you know four others in a house if you're lucky enough to have four good people fine but the majority of time you won't know everybody you're house sharing with and it causes issues and you just get to a stage in life where you want to have your own place you don't want to be sharing with, with randoms who you meet and we've all house shared and it's the, the best thing anybody can do when you're younger it is you, you make friends for life you'll always stay in contact with those because you know the phrase come live with me to know me you get to know a person inside out when you live with a person because you spend your entire evenings with them and when you all go to work you're all going back to the one house so I would encourage everybody if they can if they're younger anyhow uh, to house share it, it, nothing wrong with it but when you get older you want your own place and this is what Denise is picking up on who's in the West Cork area who says hi John Paul in relation to you young people leaving Ireland at the moment. Our son, who had worked in Glasgow for a few years since he qualified, had been travelling, came home for a visit and stayed after COVID started initially. He managed to find a permanent job here in West Cork, which could have developed into a long-term career. But due to the awful rental situation and the inability to qualify for a big enough mortgage to buy his own home here, he returned to Glasgow last July. He found a rental, no problem, in Glasgow and now found a permanent job and is now, less than a year later, the proud owner of a two-bed frontline apartment on the coast with a commuter train to bring him to work every day in Glasgow. 
He is 27 years old and we are looking forward to our summer week with him in June, says Denise. Well, Denise, there's your example there. And thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. I'm glad your son is doing well. I'm glad he's found work, even happier that he actually did find a place to buy and he can call it his own. And that just shows the example while... You know, people might be wondering, surely people aren't, you know, immigrating to the UK or going there just to buy a house. Uh, and I, something I've noticed myself over the last year or the last six months more so from my own mates that are slowly, you know, one goes, then another one follows, then two or three more go. And Denise uh, has it there with her son. Uh, and 27 years old is quite young to uh, buy your own property these days. So well done to him. Glad it's working out. And that's the example. So while we talk here this morning about high pr- prices for homes and how they're increasing by 100 euros a day price wise. Uh, that is an example from Denise. Also to Julie, who says, Hi, JP, listening to you regarding the house price situation and the example of a friend of yours that was bidding on a home. We've had the same situation for our daughter. She bid on a house a number of months ago its starting price was 250 now we expected it to go up and it did go up to 280 290 to 300,000 and so on and so on in the space of 3 days the price increased by 25,000 euro so it's impossible for anybody to purchase a house these days the price is going up 25k in just 3 days how can anybody sustain that I think that is something I would be writing in my time capsule for the census says Julie thank you for your text Julie to 0862103103 and on something totally different and this is to do with health insurance and Carmel has emailed us in uh, this uh, this is an example that happened to her uh, but she wants people to know this so to check your health insurance she says I have health insurance and her health insurer is Irish Life but this could uh, apply to anybody uh, or any insurance company she mentions who she's with but you know it doesn't matter who you're with to be honest always check your insurance policy before you go in for a procedure because uh, Carmel went in and she went along to her hospital for a procedure uh, but she didn't check her policies as if you don't have the most expensive policy they do not cover certain hospitals. And her case was she was going to Mallow General Hospital. Her policy covered CUH, the Mercy, the Marshall Private and Bantry plus the Southern Infirmary. But it didn't cover Mallow for some reason. So she was speaking to the accounts department in Mallow Hospital and they said that she's not the only one in this situation. And a lot of people have been left with a large bill because of this. So yeah, the motto of the story is if you were going for a procedure, even if it's an emergency one, uh, just double check your health insurance or get someone to double check it for you because in every uh, health insurance in every insurance policy across the board but in health insurance they will specify on your insurance policy what hospital you are covered for and when you get a letter out if it's an emergency it's harder but if you get a letter out for a pre-planned procedure they will say that please check and it's usually in bold writing please check with your insurance company first to guarantee you were covered for this procedure at this hospital so a word of warning though from Carmel who is now left with a huge bill because of what she had to go through and hopefully you know you've come to some arrangement to pay that off with the guys in Mallow but it is a word of warning for people if you are going for any procedure just double check your policy that the hospital and the type of procedure or scan scan is another one MRI scan CT scans that they are covered in that venue our lines are open and your questions for Annalisa are welcome she'll be joining us shortly you can call us 0818 103 103 Bernie taking those calls or you can text 
text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Now, all week, we are giving you the chance to win with the Celtic Ross Hotel located in stunning Ross Carberry, which is celebrating 25 years in business. And we have got some amazing prizes to give away every day, including afternoon tea, leisure centre membership, dinner and overnight stays with the Celtic Ross Hotel celebrating 25 years of hospitality in Ross Carberry. See CelticRossHotel.com. To win, we're going to give you all week a trivia question based on the last 25 years. And today, you could win for yourself afternoon tea for two at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry. Now, picture this sitting outside the hotel today, looking over the causeway in Ross, the sun teeming down, go for a stroll in the Warren, go to Longstrand. Go to Lep, go to Skibbereen, go wherever you want to go. But imagine if you were sitting out for afternoon tea. What a day for it. Well... You could be, maybe not today, but in the future. If you win, you've got to answer this question, though. First of all, it's based on events over the last 25 years. And this is the question. If you know the answer, text the answer along with your name and where you are to 0862103103. Hong Kong returns to Chinese rule in 1997. But whose 99-year lease on the colony expires? What country? Uh, did control Hong Kong. What colony? What lease expires? And this was in 1997. Have you any idea? If you think you know, you can text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103 along with your name and where you are. And you could be enjoying afternoon tea with thanks to the Celtic Ross Hotel celebrating 25 years of hospitality in Ross Carberry. See CelticRossHotel.com The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at CorkCoco.ie Middleton Mocker will host a talk on biodiversity that's going ahead this evening at 8 o'clock in St. John the Baptist Community Hall in Middleton. Guest speakers are Karen Luxton and Catherine Seal, who will be discussing wild work, local water and dairy farming. Rahant National School are fundraising to extend the play area and to create biodiversity trails. You can support their raffle, which will take place on Friday the 8th of April. Tickets are available from the school or indeed you can log on to their ID donate page and a flower demonstration in aid of Enable Ireland will be held in the Inner Shannon House Hotel that's going ahead on Wednesday evening at 7.30 Eileen O'Brien of Aoife will give the demonstration and Alice Taylor will also take you on a trip down memory lane tickets are 30 euro and that includes tea coffee cake and an oasis ring for each guest and you're asked to support Enable Ireland in its first in-person event in Cork since the pandemic began that's going ahead this Wednesday evening 7:30 at the Inishannon House Hotel and on the cost of living and the cost of house prices, someone is saying house prices in Oz are crazy. Yes, indeed they are. The amount of people leaving Sydney and moving to cities like Brisbane and other cities just to afford a house. So similar is happening there. And we were making the point, the majority of people here that are looking to move, it's the UK, not Australia, it's the UK. The majority of people are going to. And Denise gave an example there of her son now living in Glasgow in Scotland, of course. And on prices, in the shops then increasing and Joan's example earlier whereby we were speaking about the time capsule and what to put in and Joan remembers working in a local shop in Formoy in the early 60s and the workers in the town coming in and they were happy and she felt people were happier then and they'd go into a shop and just people seemed in a happier place than they are now 
Well, John says, JP, how can people going into shops be happy when prices are rising rapidly? We are told meat, dairy products and everything is all going to increase in price. This is not the fault of the shop workers, of course, but they are customer facing staff and will face the anger of the customers, says John. And yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's hard when you go into a store and everything is increasing at the moment. But I think what you said there, John, is correct. It's not the shop workers fault. Uh, so no point even though they will see the anger and they can discuss it uh, with the customer how everything is increasing because like the shop worker is going to be paying the increase as well no matter where they go but it's not their fault so you can't blame the person on the front line for something that is happening that they have no control over uh, but that does happen a lot unfortunately these days you blame the person on the front line who have no control over a decision that was made but people feel they can just vent their anger at somebody who doesn't make a decision which is wrong uh, but so you're right there, John, yeah, but you can understand why people are angry when they go to shop nowadays. Uh, in the 60s, Joan feels people were just happier in general in life. And on the healthcare issue we spoke about earlier from the, this was Carmel, who went along and she now has to pay uh, her procedure at Mallow General Hospital because it was not covered under her health insurance policy and that applies to all health insurers. Well, Mary Buckley on text says, the lack of health care one gets when you have health insurance, it's hard to believe that even in 2022 that this is happening. What will people make of this in 100 years' time? Well, I will put it on my census form anyhow, uh, says Mary. So yeah, the uh, I suppose it's, it's again... When you have insurance and health insurance, you really, really have to double check it before you go for a procedure just to make sure you're covered, first of all, for the procedure, but also covered in that hospital. Uh, thank you, Mary, for your text to 0862 John and Cove on the cruise ships coming into Cove and he feels they're being brought into Cove, the docking Cove, but those passengers just leave Cove and are bust elsewhere across the county and the Cove isn't benefiting from these cruise ships. Uh, he fears they may be benefiting, though, from the increase in COVID uh, coming into COVID from the ships but not from an economic point of view when Mary is in the city Mary says on this Mary's a tour guide first of all and she knows people love to see COVID and the Titanic Centre when the ships dock a lot of the elderly tourists are not able for the hills in COVID so many of them do go to, on this bike island tour but they all love to see Cork and many of them come back again for a longer stay so it is worth having the cruise ships docking into COVID says Mary and on what we spoke about regarding the census and the time capsule and the fact that you know people are looking back now on their lives when they were younger and Joan and Fromoy making the point of she felt anyhow people going into shops back in the early 60s were a lot happier than people going into shops today. Uh, John made the point it could be due to the high rise of all the costs that we now uh, get impacted on when we do go into the stores but Kathleen in McCroom on other than I suppose years gone by or days gone by being a happier days Kathleen says uh, people are rushing now the world has speeded up so much over the last 20 to 30 years and Kathleen says all our modern gadgets have not made us any happier. Kathleen M. Croom, I agree with you there. I think it's the modern gadgets are making people unhappy uh, and a lot of people would, would go with that I'd say at this stage. Anyhow, Kathleen, thank you for your call to 0818103103. Time to head to the Health Hub in Banning College and Annalisa Drizal joins us for our weekly 
the nutritional segment. A very good afternoon to you, Annalisa. Good afternoon, John Paul. And first of all, a lot of people have been in touch. We've a lot of questions in. We'll get to as many as we can. But a lot of people have been in touch regarding the fact that we know the cases were high over the last few weeks. People got this new strain of COVID. But it's the fatigue afterwards that people are asking, how can we get over this? What supplement can we take to boost our energy levels? Yeah, it's very common, actually, John Paul, that fatigue. And I suppose the first thing I think is that it is quite common to um, be fatigued after a virus because your immune system has been very, very busy and has used up a lot of resources in terms of fighting the virus. So it really is about supporting your immune system as well as improving your energy afterwards. Um, I definitely would recommend that people still continue to take their vitamin D and their vitamin C and their zinc at the very, very least. But there are a couple of two good tonics that we are recommending. One is the Source of Life Gold, which I take myself, and that has a bit of ginseng in there. So it should give you a bit of an energy boost, and you will get your vitamin D, C, and zinc in that. The other one that some people are finding wonderful is the Revive Active. Uh, that's another That's another one that comes in... Um, you get in health shops or pharmacies and it, they're both of these one the source of life is a liquid and the revive active is, is is in a sachet that you mix up with water so they're very very easy to take and they're very very well absorbed for some people if that doesn't do the job we are recommending niacin which is one of the b vitamins and we're recommending 100 milligrams of that every two to three hours and that can give people a good boost as well some people, if you, if you tend to be low on iron, your iron, again, could be very low after a viral infection. So maybe taking an iron supplement, and that's not for everybody now, John Paul, that's only if you tend to be low on iron when you've gone to the doctor in the past, it's certainly worth taking an iron supplement now. And of course, the olive leaf extract is a great one always for anything post-viral because it supports the immune system. And in doing that, it'll help bring your energy back quicker as well. And as we're speaking about energy, a text in from someone who has a very low, uh, low immune system, and this is due to Graves' disease. She's on medication for this, but still picks up everything going at the moment. Uh, this person has shingles. Any advice for someone in that situation? So with shingles, there's two things that would be very good for shingles. One is the olive leaf extract that I just mentioned. That's a great potent antiviral shingles. Shingles is a virus. Um, and then the other thing is lysine. Lysine is actually just an amino acid, as in it's just a protein. But it seems to suppress the virus that causes either the herpes simplex virus for cold sores or the chickenpox virus or the shingles virus. So it does great for all of those. And you would take need to take 1,000 milligrams of the lysine every three hours. So you're probably going to end up taking about four to six tablets in a day, I suppose, depending on how long you're up for. And that can be great to suppress that... Um, virus that you know the nerve with shingles it's the nerve pain that's really really difficult so you get inflammation of the nerves and and your skin feels very very sore some people even break out in a rash so the lysine is wonderful for that and of course then the usual immune supports that i always recommend which is your vitamin d your vitamin c and your zinc and Jeanette is in Mitchellstown. She wants to know what should she do for vitamin d that she was taking for the winter should she keep taking vitamin d now across the summer months as well So we shouldn't really need to take it in the summer months, um, John Paul, because if you are in the sunshine with bare arms for 15 minutes a day, it should be enough to give you a recommended daily allowance of vitamin D. But if you're not, um, or for other reasons, you can't go in the sunshine or you're wearing a very high factor, then it is just 
as good to take it. Uh, so you could continue taking it throughout the summer months if you wanted to be sure. I know a lot of women, older women anyway, will take vitamin D along with calcium for their bones. So it will be part of that calcium supplement anyway. But don't take a higher dose than a 1,000 IU if you're taking it every single day unless you know for a fact your vitamin D is under par. Okay, hi Annalisa. What would you recommend as a natural boost to my metabolism in the process at the moment of losing a few pounds? I've heard about vitamin H. Now, is that, I don't know if it's vitamin H or should that be vitamin B? It's a, okay. it's a text, so it might have changed on the, uh, on the way yeah. it was text. So it might mean a, vi- a different uh, a word rather than vitamin H. But any uh, ideas on how you can anyway yeah, naturally boost your metabolism? There's a few different things that, that can help, John Paul. There's no really magic answer, but the few ones that I would definitely think are worth a try. So the first one would be um, conjugated linoleic acid, CLA it's called. And there is a little bit of cl- clinical research behind this that it can help improve your body's natural fat burning ability. So that's a good one. Another one is called Garcinia Cambogia. You'll often see that as part of weight loss supplements. And that's a nice one because, again, it helps promote fat burning. But for a lot of people who take this, they also say it suppresses their sugar cravings. And that's a great help when you're trying to lose weight. Uh, We do sell quite a bit of um, the Nordic seaweed diet here. And um, that's what it's called, seaweed diet. And that has a combination of a few different things in there. But the, the one very key ingredient in it is the iodine that comes from seaweed. And this is great to support your thyroid. And if you can rev up your thyroid, you can rev up your metabolism. Uh, so sea- iodine or seaweed is another good one to use. And then the other shape that they take are the ones that kind of swell up in your stomach and keep you feeling fuller for longer. And you're looking at the glucomannan is a good one for that. G-L-U-C-O-M-A-N-N-A-N or konjac. These are both kind of fibers that swell up in your stomach. They keep you feeling fuller for longer. They help balance your blood sugar, so they help reduce cravings. And they're also great as a fiber to give you a good clean out, so they help with bloating too. Okay, hopefully that helps. And we have a question on bloating I'll get to shortly, but I have a question here from a parent who wants to know, uh, she's a child age nine. Can this child take lynxine or is it okay for a child at that age to take lynxine? Should be absolutely fine, to be honest, John Paul, because it is just a protein. So it will just be used as a protein if the body doesn't need to use it as lysine itself. Um, so it'll be handled just as a protein. But I think in terms of a nine-year-old, I wouldn't take more than 1,000 milligrams three times a day would be the maximum I would take that. And you touched on bloating there. We have a number of questions in on this from people who are feeling bloated as if they have extra weight in the tummy, they're sluggish and they just feel like they have a lot of gas. Uh, any idea how to relieve this? Okay, so it depends, I suppose, what the bloating is coming from. For some people, it could be because they are not digesting their food properly um, and the food is maybe fermenting and creating a bit of wind and a bit of gas and that causes the bloating. So taking a good digestive enzyme will help with that. You want one that has got enzymes that will help digest fat, protein, but also carbohydrates because it's generally the carbohydrate fermenting that creates that increase in, 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 in gas and bloating. So you could try a good digestive enzyme. There is another supplement that gets great feedback always from customers who try it. It's actually a probiotic and it's called One Week Flat. So you can take it, a lot of people would take it coming up to an event like a communion or some a wedding where they want to be looking their best. Um, but you can take it for up to a month 
no problem. And it's a basically a probiotic that helps with bloating. It's called One Week Fat Flat, and it's by a company called Optivac. That's worth a try. The other thing then that can help as well for some people, now this will help with the symptom, but it doesn't help with the cause. So if you do need to go out somewhere and you're a bit gassy or you're a bit windy, taking activated charcoal before you eat and after you eat can help dissipate that wind. So as I said, it's never going to fix the cause of the problem, which is probably the digestive enzyme will do that. But at least it will mean that you can go out with confidence, not worrying in case you're going to be a bit windy. So that's activated charcoal and you can take it in powder or in capsule form. Okay, and a question here for regarding lifestyle changes because this person has gone for a scan recently and some fatty liver cells showed up on this scan. What supplements and what lifestyle changes would Annalisa recommend? I also had my gallbladder removed about 10 years ago. Okay, so there's the fatty liver, we're seeing more and more of it now, John Paul, and I think it's a lot to do with the Western diet that's very high in simple carbohydrates, so like white bread, white pasta, white rice, breakfast cereals, sugar and sugary foods. That would have a huge contribution to fatty liver. Um, Normally, fatty liver would only be seen in extreme cases of um, alcohol. But with diet, it's becoming more and more common, and it's nothing to do with alcohol whatsoever. But the effect is the same. So basically, high sugar levels in the body are being converted to fat and stored as fat in the liver, and that's creating fatty liver. So you want to have a diet that is a low-carbohydrate diet can actually be one of the best ones to follow. Now, this lady might find it difficult if she's no gallbladder, if she has a problem digesting fat, because a low-carbohydrate diet is often higher in fat. So what you'd be cutting out would be, you know, and safely, this can be done no problem. You can cut out bread, you could cut out pasta, you can cut out rice, potatoes, cakes, biscuits, all of those kind of carbohydrate grainy foods. And you can replace it then with good quality, lean proteins like eggs, fish, chicken, lean red meat is very good, and then plenty, plenty vegetables, and no more than two pieces of sugar a day because of the sugar levels. So that would be the diet I would recommend following. And then in terms of supplements, milk thistle is always a great one to improve the health of the liver. But there's a lovely one for fatty liver called berberine, B-E-R-B-E-R-I-N-E. And that's another brilliant one for fatty liver. And the last one I'd recommend maybe could be something like alpha-lipoic acid, which is very good if there is any issue with fatty liver or diabetes, blood sugar balance. It helps protect all the cells in the body from the damage of elevated blood sugar. Okay, and very finally, this person has an awful ringing noise in their ears. Now, they've got vertigo a few weeks ago. Would this be the cause of it? Probably is. So vertigo can often be caused by a viral infection that affects the canals of the inner ear. And some people will feel as if they're seasick all the time. They'll feel nauseous, they'll feel dizzy. And then also for some people, they get that that tinnitus, that that ringing noise in their ears. Some people it's more ringing or buzzing and for some people it's more of a kind of a whooshing sound. So it's a hard one to kind of get a handle on, John Paul, because it's about supporting the immune system, but it's also about an anti-inflammatory approach, trying to bring the inflammation that that virus has caused in the inner ear. Uh, Rosemary is a fantastic one, so you could drink it as a tea. Um, There's a very good probiotic for the inner ear called um, Lactobacillus salivarius. So if you think of saliva, it's the salivarious one. Biocult actually have it in their general probiotic. It's one of those. That can be very good to help restore health into the inner ear as well. And then maybe a natural anti-inflammatory like Boswellia 
and the turmeric extract. They help to bring the inflammation down. And of course, then the usual one that I would recommend as a, as a post-viral, which is the olive leaf extract. So a combination of those will hopefully address the root cause and get rid of the ringing. And very briefly, the two tonics you recommended for COVID recovery, Noreen, uh, asking that on text. So the Source of Life Gold and the, uh, is very good and the Revive Active for an energy boost. And if you're still not getting it, the olive leaf extract just as a nat- uh, kind of a last antiviral boost. Excellent. Everything that Annalisa has said will go up on the C103 podcast section of our website this afternoon. Also, you'd have it on your guide or is it on, on your own blog? Is on it on your blog own website? On the website as well, exactly. That's thehealthhub.com. Thank, thehealthhubstore.com thehealthhubstore.com perfect Annalisa thank you for thank that you and we'll chat to you next week take care uh, that is Annalisa Giselle there joining us from the Health Hub in Balancolic and again just go along to the C103 website you can listen back to everything uh, she has said this afternoon who's going along to the Celtic Ross for afternoon tea for two as the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry celebrates 25 years in business well done to Pat Crowley in Kilmichael the answer was Britain well done to you of course, we asked who does, or well, Hong Kong returns to Chinese rule. It did so in 1997. We asked what colony uh, the lease expires in that year. It was Britain, of course. Well done, Pat. You're going along uh, to the Celtic Ross Hotel for afternoon tea for two. Enjoy that. Uh, the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry celebrating 25 years of hospitality in Ross Carberry. See CelticRossHotel.com. More ways to win tomorrow. That's it for today from Cork Today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your Monday afternoon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.